Great. One of the great things with new beginnings is, um, I don't know about you guys, but whenever there's a new beginning, with it comes anticipation, doesn't it? With it comes excitement as to what it is that's to come. But looking back over, over the DVD um, a little bit earlier, I, I don't know about you guys, but I got excited looking backwards too. Um, looking back at the beginnings, looking back at how it, it all began in May 2008 with eight people in a room praying, and then thinking about the steps which have happened to bring us to where we are today, and seeing God's goodness in that. And that is something to get excited about, isn't it? I think it's fantastic. You know, one of the things that I found exciting through that DVD was the sense of purpose that comes through. A sense of, of people coming together with a shared vision, a shared purpose, a shared mission that they're about, that they feel that God has for them to accomplish. I imagine, though, if I, if I took a microphone and came down, don't worry, I'm not going to do it, and, and just walked around the room and asked you, or went out on the streets maybe in the town and asked people, what is it that you think the church is here for? What is it that the church's purpose is? Why do you think the church exists? I think I'd probably get a lot of blank looks and a lot of confused answers. In fact, the creators of the Alpha course um, did just that. They went out on the streets and asked that question, so why don't we just quickly see some of the answers that people gave. What do I think about the church? I wouldn't go to church. Yeah, I go to church nearly every day. I normally go to church at Christmas with my family. I used to go to church when I was younger with my mum, but I I used to get bored and not really listen, so... Church, I think it's actually a really good thing to go to. I I like kind of what it stands for in the sense of the community and kind of what it brings. I don't really like the church. Maybe a bit (laughs) old-fashioned. A bit backwards sometimes. I believe that church can teach people good morals. You know, I, I know people go to church religiously and, and then they'll be in a nightclub doing some scandalous things, you know, so does that make them a better person than me? I think it's a beautiful place to be. It's really calm and peaceful and it's lovely when you're there. The central towns, central cities, central villages. If there was a God, I think that he'd be pretty happy for people to just recognise he exists and not, you know, necessarily go to church every Sunday or something. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about it, really. kind of answers people give build up a picture, don't they? You know, I, I, I wouldn't go to church. Um, I go to church at Christmas with my parents. I used to go to church, but I don't go anymore. I don't really like the church. It seems a, a bit backwards sometimes, a bit old-fashioned. You know, there were a few more positive answers, but the overwhelming picture that I get from that video is that most people today think that the church is irrelevant, that it has no real purpose. And I imagine that if I went out on the streets and asked a similar question about what people thought about Jesus, that I'd get similar kind of mixed answers on the topic as well. Well, this morning, I want all of us to be able to leave today knowing something of Jesus's purpose and knowing something of our purpose as the church. And hopefully for that purpose to be something that we can join together and get excited about. Now, in the, in the clip that we watched um, earlier on to do with the story of the church and the food bank, the purpose of the church was summarized as to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. Some of you will know that that's the, the new mission statement that we introduced last week. But, but while that mission statement might be new, 
the heart behind it isn't. You know, we can look back to the beginnings of the church here in St. Austell, and God made his purpose clear to us um, through some verses that can be found in the, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 2. And, and the fantastic thing is that just as God made his purpose clear to us through these verses in Isaiah, that these are the verses that Jesus chose when he wanted to talk about his purpose as well. Um, why don't we look together, we're going to turn to, to Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 21. It should appear on the screen behind me, um, and I'll, I'll read it out too. Um, this is what it says. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Now, I love the fact that when Jesus was handed the scroll of Isaiah, these were the verses that he chose to express his purpose, to express his mission, to express the very heart of God as to why he had come down to walk on earth. He doesn't talk about judging people for for the wrong things that they've done. He doesn't talk about gathering people around him so that they can be super religious and fulfill all God's commands and read their Bibles and go to church all the time. Instead, what Jesus talks about is how God's heart is for people to enjoy life in all its fullness, to experience freedom in God's favor here and now, and how his purpose is to bring this good news to those who need to hear it. God's heart is for the hurting and for the broken, for those who are in need. And this isn't just a a nice idea or a nice thing for Jesus to say, because when we look through the different accounts of his life and what he spent his time doing, we see example after example of his purpose being worked out. We see Jesus continually spending time with the poor of society, with those that society looked down on, people like lepers and, and prostitutes. We see him providing food for people who were, were hungry. You know, and he feeds the 5,000 and at the feeding of the 4,000. You know, Jesus clearly cared for those who were materially in need and materially poor in practical ways. But when Jesus talks about good news for the poor, it's not limited to those who are materially poor. I love the story of Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was one of the richest men in his town. He was the chief tax collector in his region. But even though he was rich, even though he had every material thing that he could want, 
Inside, Zacchaeus felt empty. His life was meaningless. He wasn't happy. He knew that while he might be materially rich, he was spiritually poor. He was a man who was hated and despised by the other people in his town. And yet in the midst of a crowd, Jesus picks him out. He zones in on him. He says, Zacchaeus, you are the one that I want to spend my time with. You are the one that I want to be around. You are the one that I want to bring good news to. And I find that incredible. Zacchaeus was a cheat. And and a man who even in the eyes of the people around him was deserving of judgment and punishment. And yet even though Jesus had every right to judge him and to reject him, he went out and did the opposite. He drew near to him and spent time with him and brought him good news. And what we see at the end is a life transformed. Not only has Zacchaeus heard good news, but his eyes have been opened. He realizes that he's been blinded, chasing after money and power. And Zacchaeus chooses to give away half of his wealth. And to give back to the people that he's cheated in taxes four times as much as he took from them. Zacchaeus experienced being set free. He experienced God's favor. He experienced having his eyes opened and his life transformed. Now, on another occasion, Jesus encounters a woman caught in adultery. She's being held captive by the the religious leaders as guilty of breaking the law, guilty of having done something wrong that deserved to be punished. What does Jesus do? He makes it clear that each and every person that is there is guilty of having done things wrong. That each and every person there is deserving of punishment. And having realized that if they want to judge this woman who's been caught in adultery, then they need to judge themselves as well, the religious leaders walk away. The woman looks up at Jesus, the only one who has every right to judge her as she deserves. And instead he says to her, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. I set you free from the guilt that you've been under. Now stop doing what you know has been wrong. Jesus comes alongside a woman who is held captive by her guilt. A woman who has become trapped in her identity as an adulteress. And he sets her free. He gives her the opportunity of a fresh start and a new beginning. That's such an amazing picture of God's heart. Of God's love for each and every one of us here today. You know, we could look at so many different examples of Jesus encountering people. And and in nearly every one of them, we would see Jesus bringing physical healing or spiritual healing or emotional healing. We would see Jesus at work demonstrating God's heart for people and for fulfilling his purpose to bring good news to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted, to set captives free, to open the eyes of the blind. And when Jesus makes it so clear that this is his purpose... 
And then you consider that the church is made up of people who are following Jesus and continuing his mission. It's pretty clear to me that that's to be our purpose as well. And that's why I get so excited about the fact that the verses that God chose to highlight for us and to give us at the beginnings of this church were this very same verses from Isaiah 61 that Jesus chose himself to express his mission and his purpose. You know, as we officially open the Light and Life Center today, we are not simply opening something that is irrelevant in today's society. We are not opening a place where we can get together and have a cozy time with people that we like and we share the same ideas with. We are opening a base of operations. A base of operations from which we will commit ourselves to proclaim good news to the poor. We will commit ourselves to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to open the eyes of the blind and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We're opening the Light and Life Center today, not as a religious center, but to enable us to continue as a church to reach out with God's love in practical ways, such as the food bank, such as get creative, such as divorce care to heal broken hearts, as well as to reach out with the message of Jesus, the message of hope and forgiveness, the message that a relationship with God is available to you, and made possible through Jesus' death on the cross. That's our purpose. That's what we're here for. In other words, we exist to see God's love transform lives as we follow him. You know, today though, you know, just as Jesus went out of his way from the crowd to meet with individuals, you need to know that God's heart is for you personally. That God's desire is to draw near to you, and to come alongside you in the midst of your need and your brokenness. To bring you healing and to bring you freedom. You know, it might be that this morning you are feeling like you were held captive by your guilt. You might try and rationalize it away and compare yourself to the other people around you and tell yourself that you're no worse than anyone else. But inside you still know what you've done. You know the way that you've acted, the things that you've said, the attitude that you've had, the thoughts that have gone through your head. You know what it is that you've done wrong. The reality is that this is a need that we all share, isn't it? We all get things wrong. Left to ourselves, we're all just like the adulteress, held captive by our guilt and deserving of punishment. This morning, I want you to know that freedom from guilt is available. That instead of the punishment you deserve, you can receive forgiveness today. That God's heart is not to condemn you, but to set you free. But that it's only possible as you admit your need and you turn to Jesus. It might be that you feel held captive in a pattern of behavior that you're unable to stop. Or you feel held captive in a situation that you're unable to do anything about. And if that's the case, you need to know that God's heart is for you and that he wants to set you free. But that it's only possible as you admit your need and as you turn to Jesus. It might be that this morning you feel poor. You might be struggling financially and have a very real financial need. Or it might be that like Zacchaeus, you are materially rich but spiritually poor. That life feels empty and pointless. And you feel depressed and worthless. 
And if that's the case, then God's heart is to bring you good news today. To tell you that he loves you. That you are of great value to him. That he has a great plan and a purpose for your life. And that if you will trust him, he will provide everything you need as you turn to Jesus. It might be that it's not just spiritual or emotional healing that you need this morning, but that you are in very real need of physical healing today. And if that's the case, then I want you to know that God's heart is for you. And just as Jesus not only opened spiritual eyes, but he very literally opened physical ones as well, God wants to bring healing to you as you turn to Jesus. You know, the thing is that whatever our need is, whether it's something like forgiveness, a need that all of us share, or whether it's something more specific, the starting point every time is that we need to be willing to get over our pride and admit that we need help. Admit that we need to be forgiven. Admit that we need healing. Once we've done that, to then turn to Jesus as the one who can help us, the one who can forgive us, the one who can heal us, the one who can set us free to enter into relationship with God and experience God's favor in our lives today. Now, if this morning that you know that you need Jesus to set you